Welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast, a podcast all about early stage web developers and the mentors and teachers that helped them along the way. Hey, Chad, and uh, welcome to the Mycelium Network Podcast. Hey, hey, how are you doing? So, without further ado, please tell us more about yourself, your background, how you came to do what you do, and uh, what gets you up in the morning. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm Chad Stewart. I'm a software engineer. Uh, currently in Kingston, Jamaica. Um, I do mostly front-end engineering, uh, though I'm trying to explore a little bit more of the back-end engineering discipline. Um, I guess I'm the most famous for uh, Tech is Hiring, which is like an organization where we try to, 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 to help you know people kind of get new roles. We mostly operate out of Twitter, uh, mostly by just promoting... Um, uh, people looking for roles and job opportunities, you know, so we have like a Twitter account specifically where, you know, if you retweet something with the hashtag tech is hiring, the account will retweet it. And it just becomes like a centralized place for people to go to, to, to look for job seekers and to look for opportunities. Um, and what gets me up in the morning really is just exploring interest, interesting problems um and interesting ideas like that's the thing that kind of drives me towards doing anything especially in in this industry um like uh for instance i had a conversation with another engineer about the idea of correctness in, correctness in in programs and how uh the engineers are a rust engineer and how they um how how rust um, really helps with that correctness. And so I, I'm going to spend some time exploring Rust um, because that is a particularly interesting idea to me. Like, especially as somebody who's been in the kind of JavaScript ecosystem and, you know, you effectively, you effectively um, develop around the craziness that is the JavaScript ecosystem. Um, but yeah, that's, that's pretty much what kind of gets me going. Yeah, good stuff. And uh, yeah, on the topic of Rust, it's on my to-do list. I know I really want to play with it. And it's not because it's like hype or anything. I, I've also heard that kind of thing, like learning Rust will make you a better programmer um, just because of the way it, like the God residence place, but also the way it makes you think about things, um, mm -hmm. which you can then take back to whatever is your like, I wouldn't say favorite, but maybe the language you use the most, um, which in my case would be all the web stuff, like JavaScript, CSS, HTML, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, Rust is on my to-learn list as well. Um, so a question that I that I have for you also just uh, as an introductory thing, and because I'm curious, is mechanical keyboards. So I've gone through three keyboards in the last seven months, and I'm still not happy with the one I have now. I've always been curious about mechanical keyboards, but they aren't cheap from what I've seen. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like mushroom coffee. I'm intrigued, but I'm a little scared. <laughs> so what makes you so like excited about mecha mechanical keyboards? Um, so I, um, I, so one of the, <laughs> this is kind of a very weird, you know, story, but one of the things that actually makes me really enjoy software engineering is I actually very much enjoy typing. And I enjoy, like, the, the, the I guess, the tactile t sensation of typing. So I don't have a mechanical keyboard right now, but I used to have a mechanical keyboard. Um, and to be honest with you, the, 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 the clickety-clack has just been really interesting to me. You know, I also, I guess, I don't... I'm not like super invested in mechanical keyboards in the sense of like, oh, this I need to have this particular type of keyboard with this particular type of, of switches and so on and so forth. Like I'm very much like I just have a mechanical keyboard. It works, you know, but like definitely just the, the, the tactile feeling. Um, ironically, I think when I initially was looking at mechanical keyboards, like this was a couple of years ago um, and I owned a mechanical keyboard. Um, I was looking at the different types of switches and I was like thinking, oh, maybe I should go with like, I think it's a cherry brown or, or a green, which has like a tactile bump so that as you're, as you're depressing the keys, you have that feeling, you get that feedback 
from the keyboard. Um, and I ended up going with, with red switches with the thought that maybe I'll switch them out with, with the, the, the more tactile switches. And I realized that just kind of the fluidity of, of the keycap hitting the, the base of the keyboard was enough of the tactile um, response that I needed, uh, effectively getting the clickety-clack that I wanted. Um, but yeah, like, I mean... I, I won't say I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say, oh, you become a better developer with mechanical keyboards. That's not crazy. That's just crazy, you know? But like I feel like a lot of people invest in mechanical keyboards. Uh, one, I think they're e not I think they're easier to maintain because each key has a, has a cherry switch that you can just swap out if the key dies. Um and they just the they like that response, you know, that feedback. You know what I mean? So like I'm on my laptop right now and typing on the laptop is is reasonably good. But, you know, like it's not it's not the same as having like especially a modern mechanical keyboard. Um, I say modern because like the, the way I learned typing when I was younger was actually on a typewriter, which was effectively mechanical. I believe they're mechanical at the time. Um, so maybe that's another reason why I kind of gravitate towards them. But yeah, that's that's like my whole thing about mechanical keyboards. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'd love to try them. I love keyboards that has that bouncy feel, like you can feel that you're typing, and it has that like kind of. Uh, I get what you're saying. I don't know if I'll drive everybody around me crazy if, <laughs> if I have the clickety clack going. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'll probably one day just dive in because I've seen somebody on a Slack over the weekend that was like, "Here's my new one," and I was like. Oh, that looks so nice. And then I look at the price and I'm like, oh boy, okay, maybe one day I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an investment. Like, I definitely had to, to, to just be like, okay, I'm paying $100, you know, I'm just going to go in. And like, thankfully, like that keyboard lasted me the entirety of the time that I had it. Like, I gave it away in my move when I was returning home. Um... But, like, it's definitely an investment. I would definitely, like, if you have the opportunity, I would, like, poke around different mechanical keyboards in case, like, say if you have, like, a store that might sell a bunch of them or you have a friend that might have a bunch of them, I'd definitely play around with them first. Like, I know when mechanical keyboards were first, like, being the, the, the kind of returning to grace, right, the people would always have, like, um buttons set up where it's like oh these are the different um cherry switches and you you could play around with them you know stuff like that so maybe if you could get your hands on something like that or just be around them then you can mess around with the, the, those switches but it's definitely an investment like it's an it, it's an ironically expensive hobby if yeah. it becomes a yeah. hobby yeah yeah sounds like it's it's much like play uh buying an instrument you kind of have to go to the store and play it you can't just like look online and say, I want that one because maybe it looks cool, but the feel just isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. It. Yeah. Good advice. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, from your GitHub profile, and you hinted at this already, um, you're working on a thing called Take Us Hiring. That is essentially how we got started with this conversation, why I reached out to you, because we're in this precari precarious situation at the moment with tech, um, all the layoffs, a uh, bunch of people post and during the pandemic kind of rethinking their lives and thinking is what I'm doing today the thing I really want to do and there's quite a few people that started thinking about transitioning from what they're doing now to becoming a, a programmer um, so a lot of people getting into the industry there's a lot of need as well for for developers designers um, technical writers all these roles but at the same time, you're in this like weird situation where there's this AI thing, which we'll talk about a little later. And then there's this um, massive layoffs at these big tech companies that people might have felt like they are super secure um, having a job there. So um, like you mentioned, it's called Tech is Hiring. Uh, it's an organization on GetUp that people can go check out. But um, Dig into it a little more. You, you mentioned that there's this Twitter account that will retweet stuff and that you tweet stuff out as well. What else is, are you doing at the moment? And maybe also dream a little bit. Like, where do you see this going? Oh, yeah. So, um, so like, pretty much everything we do kind of supports 
uh, to be honest, kind of supports the, the, the Twitter account. Like, so uh, a little bit more background than what I had given initially is that the idea is in my own job search, uh, I found during the pandemic that a lot of people would be looking, would would say, hey, I'm looking for a job. And sometimes they would blow up or sometimes, you know, it wouldn't be that great. Uh, I definitely had my own experiences there where um, I would say, hey, I'm looking for a role. And, you know, you would get some feedback, um, but, you know, it wouldn't necessarily blow up, right? And so, like, tech is hiring in my head was kind of like an ideal of how do we have like an account that may potentially get a large amount of following, but just kind of helps people, you know, in in advertising themselves, either their opportunities or the fact that they're looking for opportunities. So a lot of the things that we kind of do uh, focus around that idea. It's like our, our tagline is like a space where engineers, where great engineers and great jobs meet each other. Right. So that that's kind of the idea. Um, we have like a simple bot that just retweets um, tech is hiring. Um, and I'm, I'm working on an open source project right now where it was just really just a website where, you know, like it's just easier for people to find the hashtag, not even the hashtag, but to find out about the organization, you know, while not necessarily being on Twitter. Um, but like. So the the interesting thing is is like you you know you asked me to kind of think beyond what we have now. Uh, the interesting thing is what I'm kind of hoping that it would be is to be a way for people to kind of share their their network. You know, so like one of the key aspects of tech is hiring. Uh, with sometimes I, I try my best to 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 to, to push. And it works every so often, um, but it's like trying to to encourage people to to share access to their network. You know what I mean? So, like, if you think of something like LinkedIn, like LinkedIn is a social network that primarily focuses on finding jobs. You know what I mean? It feels like, and this could just very well be, in fact, this not even could be, this is my very anecdotal evidence kind of thing, but LinkedIn feels much more like it's the jobs first and then the networking and social aspect second. And then what I was hoping that tech is hiring would eventually be is something where it's it's the social aspect first and then the hiring second, if that makes any sense, Iron- mm. which is ironic mm. in the name. Um, but like what I was hoping that it would get to a point where um, we have a fair amount of members, you know, people are con- having that conversation with each other. You know, it's easy for somebody to kind of come in. Like it's, it's hard because it's like I have, there's like a lot going on in, in how I kind of wanted to move forward. But like the idea, like I guess the uh, 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 cons- consistent is not necessarily the best word, but like a concise way of thinking about it is like where we as an industry are really good at getting people um, from I don't know how to code. I've never really used a computer in a technical sense to getting them to be proficient you know, in that way, you know, depending on what your levels of proficiency, like entry level, right, to be able to to, 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 to join a role entry level. And that's through like um, free code camp and the numerous amount of Udemy courses and so on and so forth. Like there's a lot of ways to learn how to be an engineer. There aren't very good and very structured ways of taking those skills at any point in your industry, in your industry, in your experience taking those skills and actually being able to turn that into uh, into a role or into some form of job, you know what I mean? And what I'd like tech is hiring to be eventually is effectively to be that centralized place where, you know, you have the software engineering skills, you know, minimal or say you're a senior but you don't necessarily have a network or even you're trying to network in other countries um, like where it's like, okay, 
how do I do this? And right now it's a very haphazard process. I've gone through this haphazard process. You know, you just have to randomly meet people and lock out and then so on and so forth, right? Where I'm hoping tech is hiring is like a place where it's like, okay, I want to meet people and just here's a place where I can go and, and, and meet people. Like how, how that plays out is still obviously up in the air. But that's something that I would like tech is hiring to be. Just like an easy way to go from unhired to hired, primarily through the mechanism of networking and socializing, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So two questions on that. Um, the first one is, do you hope to, through putting, through flipping the script and putting social and networking relationships first, um, are you hoping to have an impact on the interview and recruitment process over time? Um, because it's, it's a funky process, right? There's a lot of things that we can improve there. Do you hope that by flipping the script, you can over time potentially impact, have an impact on the interview process? Uh, yes, um, I'm, I'm hoping. So I guess like my primary philosophy is being very people first, you know, like I don't want to say that it's easy to teach people skills, but like I don't want to say skills are static because that undervalues skills, you know what I mean? But it's, re it's much harder to either find the people to like, you know, what? let me not even go in that direction but more like a lot of the times when you're trying to find your, your next opportunity, the best way to find that opportunity is not necessarily through the job posting, but through other people's connection to that opportunity. And then there's like a lot of other things, you know, it's not even necessarily the, the, the like, say, for instance, you have an opportunity here, but you want to explore it. You don't necessarily want to like jump in and say, yes, sure. You know what I mean? Like, how do you find out about the team if you don't talk to people? You know what I mean? How do you find out about the organization if you don't talk to people, right? Like, if you just see a job up, if you just see a job posting and you, you apply, you know, you can ask questions during the interview, but the interview is also, like, set up to, if they like you, they're trying to sell you on the position now. You know what I mean? Whereas you reach out to people and and, like they would give you their, they may give you more honest feedback. You know what I mean? And then uh, a lot of the interview process from a technical standpoint is like, it's good in the sense of like, people are trying to push towards like an interview process that is kind of, that is fair in the sense of everybody kind of has to go through it. But I think one of the biggest problems with the interview process currently is it doesn't respect the people being a part of the interview process. So like, and, and this tends to manifest itself in like interviewers being kind of like, I give you this problem, you know, you solve this problem and it's pass or fail, even though in spirit it shouldn't be, it feels very much like that, you know? So it's kind of weird, like, the in, it's, not, it's not like something I'm focused on right now, but I'm hoping that, you know, being more people first would be, you know, either eventually we can change the interview process by being more, pe more people-oriented or people-friendly, um, or, you know, there's more people that we can kind of engage with and have a better conversation about that because it's it feels like we have a bunch of camps and those camp those people are really dug into their camps and so it's either it's all or nothing you know it's either 100% their way or 0% you know what i mean um so that is a goal potentially in the future but really it's i guess our focus is primarily on on just getting people the opportunities in the first place you know, and making it easy for the people to to explore those opportunities by actually having somebody you can actually talk to, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. as opposed to just being another number in a resume pile. Yeah, for sure. That's a great goal. Um, the other question was, how can people get involved and support this initiative? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So um, there's a few ways. Um, primarily, um, if you have, like, just to engage with the hashtag a little bit more on Twitter. Um, like, that's kind of probably the best way. Like, if you have opportunities, feel free to just make a tweet about the opportunity and tag it with Tech is Hiring. You know, that's, like, the easiest way. You know, and obviously you're trying to find candidates, so you're trying to promote that as well. Um, like I said, we have an open source project where we're just kind of building out like, um, a a website, which is kind of, is mostly static for now. There's other things that I'd like to do. Like one of the things that I kind of want to do is to get like, is to have, um, like a collection of articles, you know, not necessarily host the articles themselves. So not necessarily be a blog site, but just be like, it's not even necessarily a collection of articles, it's a collection of resources, right? So it's like you come to the to the website and you're just like, how do I get a job in tech? And it's just like, you can just go through the resources and it's like, these are really good places to start. You know what I mean? You're not, you, I don't want to say like, oh, you just go to LinkedIn, right? But like, oh, these are good ways of learning how to structure your resume. These are good places of learning how to network. These, this is a good article on networking. This is a good person that generally talks about the hiring process and so on and so forth. So it's just like a list of resources for people to really learn, you know, find these people and, and resources that are, are extremely helpful. Um, and just kind of have, I guess, categorizing, uh, cataloging, cataloging them. Um, so that's something that I, I would like to, to do as well. Um, but yeah, like engaging with the open source project, um, and engaging with the hashtag, um, regularly, you know, sharing opportunities or sharing that you're looking for work. That would probably be the best thing as well. Um, yeah, that, I, those are like the things that I, I can think of. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, so talking about open source, um, I saw that you're also involved with open sourced. Um, mm-hmm. so, on that topic, I'm curious, uh, what, what do you see as the role that open source can play in learning and then finding or creating work? And then um, while you're talking about that, keep in mind uh, something else. And that is like a post I saw you make on LinkedIn, which says like where you said, wow, one of the best or quickest or best ways to upskill your skills is to make an open source project and accept contributions. I'd love for you mm-hmm. to just like, think on all those topics and just talk about them ah yeah so uh i made that post um so i've been an open source i've been contributing for maybe a year and a half now through various projects um open source being one of them um and i've only recently within the last maybe five or six months actually open sourced a project um and it's so it's really interesting, like, okay, so like, let me go to, like, I guess the thesis of, of that post. Like, the idea is, funny enough, I was, I, I'm, I'm going to write an article on this, is the idea that, like, you can kind of, say, for instance, you're, you're working or you're just looking to kind of upskill, you're trying to get the, the, the either the, t- uh, obviously the technical skills, but the soft skills, you know, as well. You know, open source is a really good way of of putting yourself in that environment, right? Um, so the, the the post that I specifically made was like my observation where I've been like a senior engineer on a team, you know, or at the very least like you know fairly knowledgeable engineer on the team, but I've never necessarily ran a team before. And so now I have an open source project and effectively I'm running a team, you know, not directly, but, you know, people make contributions and you have to engage with them in, in a similar way as if you were a team lead, you know what I mean? And so um, the, what, I've, what I've found open source to be is an, a very effective substitute for a lot of the roles that you would take on, at least as a software engineer. I don't want to say it for like all of tech, you know, but as a software engineer, open source, uh, open source, 
is a really effective substitute for, you know, the environments that you would have, you know, at work, you know? So like, like in the, in the kind of, I have like the skeleton of the article written out and like my, the idea is you say you're an entry level engineer, right? Like, you can engage with open source, obviously through code contributions, but you can engage through like documentation, triaging issues, you know, like maybe suggesting features and things like that. And it's about kind of learning the environment and interacting with the, with, with people as well. Like that's, that's a big part of networking, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people have a hard time networking because they view, they view networking as a as an an activity as opposed to like an attribute of other activities you know so like engaging in on open source uh, open source project is networking except it, it doesn't feel like networking because you're just trying to get your contribution in you know what i mean um so like as a junior you can engage with maybe less code contributions but more things that add value to to the the open source project as a mid-level and and it's like you do that and you kind of move towards being a mid-level so it's like the idea is these are the things that you would do like i don't have it obviously concrete in my head but these are the things that you would do to move towards being like a mid-level engineer and like the goal would be to to get comfortable engaging with other engineers and contributing code and then once you are a mid-level then like your goal would be to engage more with the project, um, be more comfortable submitting codes, uh, codes, uh, code features, you know, things like that, making suggestions, continuing to engage with with uh, the, the open source, uh, with uh, um, the maintainers, you know, potentially become a maintainer yourself. So you're taking on more responsibility, but yeah, you're taking on more responsibility, but you're not necessarily completely the owner of the project, you know, and it's just kind of that evolution, you know, you go from there to like senior, you know, I'm, I have to, I, I need, really need to go back to my, my, my notes, but like the idea of like where I am is that being like at a team lead where you move from, from, um, maintaining and, or uh, from maintaining and like take and, and giving contributions to encouraging people to to contribute to your project, you know, and you would, and some people may say is like, oh, how is that like related to the to the job? And it's like you as a team lead, like you can't like. There's eventually a point where you have to advocate for your project. You know what I mean? You have to go and reach out to 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 other people in the business, whether technical or not. And explain to them why, you know, you're adding value and the things that you need and so on and so forth. And you, it's not, obviously, it's not exactly the same way, but, you know, advocating to other engineers to come and contribute to your project is, is a similar enough skill, you know, like a similar enough soft skill. And yeah, sorry, I have like a lot of thoughts. No, it's great. It's great. It's great. No, I love it. I, I mm-hmm. agree with I agree with all of that. Yeah, it's it's my I see the same. I see it play the, very much the same role. Uh, it's not just about the code. It's not just about the documentation. It's about working with others and um, learning how. I think there's a couple of things you can you can learn. Some of them not so great, but I think it's important to learn those lessons anyway. And it's spotting toxicity early and knowing when to step away and to say this is not for me and being okay with that. Um, it sucks that there are these things, but I mean, I think this is a part of life. We all want it to be better, but it's there and we're going to encounter it. So if you can learn in a low stakes place <laughs> how to how to deal with these things, then it's easier than walking into a job where you're um, being able to pay your bills is on the line. You know, uh, sometimes in that situation, you might handle it differently because you're dependent. You might suck it up, which isn't ideal because you don't know better. You don't know how to deal with these situations. So I think it, it gives you the opportunity to also learn those hard lessons. Um, while at the same time, uh, because a lot more people is talking about this, um, the toxicity and the the opposite of inclusivity um, in open source, 
And so I think over time, this is going to get better. But for now, it's great to know what to look out for. Like, what are the red flags? What are positive things to look out for? And then how to work with people, how to accept criticism, how to accept feedback, how to give feedback, how to receive feedback. Um, what makes a good bug report? Like, that is a really useful thing. I spoke to a guest on, I think it was on one of my other, on my other podcast, and he said, like, a good bug report is, like, worth its weight in gold. Um, so... By doing this, like you will get guidance from good like maintainers. They will guide you through this and say, you know, can you flesh it out a little bit more? Can you tell me this, that and the other thing and learn from that so that when you create your next issue, like just think about all those things from the get go. And this is going to help you when you when you have a job or if you become an open source developer, this is going to always be useful. So I think that's all great stuff that you've mentioned there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So moving on a little bit and uh, continuing on this, especially thinking about early stage people, people still getting into the industry, still learning to code. Um, AI is, it's interesting. <laughs> How should I put this? Um, it's exciting, but it's scary. I think that is maybe what I'm trying to say. It's exciting, and, but it's scary. And I think one of the things that makes it scary is some people don't always necessarily think about how they word things and they put it out there and they're not, they don't take, and I think this is maybe also something you can learn by contributing to an open source project. Think about the way you say something and think about who might read this and what their reaction to this might be. I know it's, it's tough. Sometimes you're excited and you just write something. Um, and an example that I put in our notes that I saw, uh, somebody shared it um, from Twitter and I was like, wow, man, if, I read this as a junior developer. I don't know how I'd react to this. And basically what the, what the person said is, I use GPT-4 to write code for five microservices for a new product. A very good dev quoted me 5,000 pounds and two weeks. GPT-4 delivered the same in three hours for 11 cents. And I was like, wow, that is a better pill to swallow. What are your thoughts on, on, on this kind of thing? Um, we don't have to dig out, but this is a huge topic, but just being a little bit more, um, thinking a little bit more about how you phrase these things and being a little bit more empathetic to people. So I think the key thing for, I literally have the, the, the tweet up here because I'm looking at the notes, but um, I think the thing that they um that is missing from that tweet is all the nuance you know like the massive amount of nuance there uh first of all i'm pretty sure that the reason why he was able to to write those five microservices in three hours and 11 cents um, using chat GPT is because he's knowledgeable enough in writing those microservices to to ask, to know what to ask um, ChatGPT uh, or GPT-4, to, 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 to know what to ask to get the right answers to be able to, 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 to develop those things. And it, that's a, a, a leveraging of his experience to leverage the tools that he has. You know what I mean? So there's that. And if you paid $5,000 to somebody else, you know, yeah, you're getting the knowledge and then you're ultimately getting the microservices, you know, potentially, because obviously they could not necessarily do the best job. But the thing is, you're leveraging that person's time and experience and expertise and, excuse, excuse me, the tools that they're using. You know what I mean? So I think, so what I think is the biggest nuance is the experience of either person and the fact that you're not necessarily paying for the microservices. That's the end result. That's the output that you want, but you're paying for the person's ability to make the right decisions that gets you the output that you want. It's not like, uh, it's not like a transaction where you go to a store and you buy some cookies and then you just get the cookies, you know. The person has to make the cookies, you know what I mean? So you're effectively paying for that, you know. So 
Um, I, you know, we, I, you know, you had sent me the notes and I was like really thinking about, um, about this. And I think the thing that people want, are, are, are forgetting here again, goes back to the experience and how you're using that experience to leverage this tool, right? To leverage GPT-4 or, or, or any AI tool, GPT-4, chat GPT, you know, GitHub Copilot and so on and so forth. Um, I'm pretty sure that this person has had an had a absolutely wonderful experience, you know, being able to prompt um, GPT-4 and get whatever information that they need, you know, and leverage it and, you know, they, 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 they have perfectly working microservices now. But I've definitely seen people, funny enough, I was in a conversation, I was in, um, uh, I guess, technically a pair programming over a mob session where a person was trying to get, um, get some tests written and they prompted ChatGPT and ChatGPT gave them an answer and a really good explanation on the answer. And they took the, they took the, what, the code that was produced and it didn't work at all. You know what I mean? And so it was kind of back to square one. And it's like, the thing is, is like, you can 100% like, uh, and get, you know, reach, reach out. You can 100% like try to prompt the, 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 you know, chat GPT for, for a solution to your problem. But it's still up to your own experience and expertise to say, to, to determine whether or not the solution is, is good enough for your use case. You know what I mean? So I have another friend who he absolutely loves chat GPT. You know, they, they, they engage with it all the time. They, they talk about it being a, 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 an adequate replacement for a pair programming person all the time. And that's interesting, but they have so much experience that they know that when ChatGPT says something that's silly, they're like, okay, maybe I need to, 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 to edit my prompt a little bit better, you know? And so, like, um, the way I was thinking about it when you had first, effectively first posed the question was, I don't think ChatGPT is going to be so much of a replacement of an engineer where... Uh, a business person, somebody with absolutely no technical skill, can go to uh, to to Chat GPT and say, "Build me this product," and it will literally spit you out the product in exactly the way that you can just even use it. And then th- that's not even talking about deployment or anything, you know. So again, uh, for for the for the tweet in particular. I would say that there's a lot of nuance that's lost. And to be fair, it's Twitter. Nuance is always lost on Twitter. How do you, how do you express full ideas with 120, 128, um, 20, 280 characters, 140 characters, 280 characters, you know, even with threads, how do you express that idea? How do you express that idea in a way that people actually want to engage with it? You know, which is a problem on Twitter, like very often. Anyways, I'm going down that rabbit hole. But like, it's a tool like anything else. And the thing that, you know, you're leveraging is your experience to make good decisions to add business value. You know what I mean? And it's really hard as of right now, as far as I can tell, I'm pretty sure somebody will, t- will say otherwise, but it's really hard to, 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 to prompt chat GPT in a way that it will give you business value directly that you don't need your experience to, to modify or whatever to, to be able to gain the, the, the value from that, you know? So that's how I, how I kind of engage with AI right now. It's another tool, you know, it's like having an IDE or a new language or a new framework. It, it's another tool. It's very different from how we engage with other things, but at the end of the day, it's another tool. Love that. That's a great response. Absolutely love it. Um, on Dev.2, you wrote a two-part series about making progress. Um, so, and the Mycelium Network community is 
mainly focused on early stage developers and trying to web developers to be more specific. And um, mm -hmm. the hope is also to bring some mentors into the community to help these people when they have questions and that kind of thing. Um, but as I've spoken to a lot of folks on the podcast and um, over Discord, one of the things that I've definitely noticed is for those starting out, making progress is one of the difficult things. Um, so, you know, they have a lot of questions about this. I'm going to pose some of these questions to you. Like, how do you keep going, stay motivated? How do you set goals? How do you keep track of what you've achieved? What have you found that works for you that might also work for others? Um, so I'd actually go in a different direction than what you just proposed. It's like what, what I've done that works for me, that works for others. Uh, I think the first thing and some of, one of the most important things is what engages you. You know what I mean? You asked me the question of what gets me up in the morning. And I'm not going to lie. It spent me a long time to kind of get to that answer. You know what I mean? It took a lot of kind of, you know, looking back at the things that made me really happy and so on and so forth. Um, and like just a lot of soul searching in a sense. And like that's the thing that engages me. You know what I mean? So I think, so I guess, the uh, so I think you, you kind of have to have something that engages you, right? Like, what's the thing that engages you? You know, again, you know, you, you, you have the notes, so I've kind of spent a little bit of time uh, thinking about it. Um, but like, you know, what's the thing that makes you get up out of bed? Is it, for me, it's um, interesting ideas and thinking about interesting ideas and engaging with them and talking to people about them. You know, that's the thing that, that, getting, that pushes me, that, that makes me want to, 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 to do stuff. You know, like um, outside of the Rust thing, I like system design because I like interacting with systems in general. And I like... I like doing hard things and like building a whole system is hard. Um, and I like engaging. I like the ideas behind like different components of a system. Like you have APIs and then like message queues and databases and stuff like that. And it's like they solve different problems, you know, um, that's interesting for me. For you, maybe it's potentially the, the, the money of, of, of tech, like the financial, maybe it's financial freedom or thing. So what engages you? what engages you, right? Um, then there's some other things that I would say everybody could do, like just certain mindsets that everybody, ha that everybody could have. It's really difficult to have a long-term goal and not feel good about attempting to achieve it. So it's like you do want to have those long-term goals. You do want to have those things that kind of point you in a direction. Um... They kind of point you in a direction, but you need to be able to feel not necessarily that you're accomplishing them, but what you're doing feels good. You know what I mean? Like you could be doing something that's moving towards a long-term goal, but they don't necessarily feel good. Like good, a great example is say you're exercising, right? And for a lot of people, exercising does not feel good. You know what I mean? It's a particularly difficult pro like for instance if you do cardio nobody wants to actually be out of breath not a soul you know what i mean it's not a good feeling you know but maybe there's like something particular about exercising that gives you positive feedback right so like i, I i'm gonna this is going to be a theme of this but i engage with i i talked with another friend and he's like one of the more important things is uh, is having like a short feedback loop of short, a short feedback loop, and I guess I'll add a positive feedback loop, right? So, what's the thing that you're doing that is that that makes you feel good about doing this task that potentially is moving you in this long-term direction? So, like, let's go with the, the the idea of learning to code, right? What's the thing that you're doing that makes learning to code feel good? You know what I mean? Like, what, what is it? It could, it could be the action itself. It could be a reward for, for the action afterwards. Say, for instance, you know, you le you, you're learning to code. It's difficult. You hate it. You don't like it. But right afterwards, you eat a cookie, right? And so now you have a positive feedback 
of learning to code and getting rewarded with a cookie afterwards. You know what I mean? So you have to manufacture those experiences. Sometimes, sometimes the, the action, the activity itself um, gives you that positive feedback. Uh, going back to exercising, um, you exercise long enough and what will happen is after the hour of you feeling exhausted and tired, you feel really good. You feel really energized. Like it's a way people, like a lot of people exercise early in the morning to feel energized for the rest of the day. And you feel really good. You know what I mean? And you tend to feel good for a really long time. So that's the positive feedback, right? So um, sometimes the activity itself gives the positive feedback. Again, going back to myself, I like learning. I like learning a lot. So the act of learning is my positive feedback. I get, man, I learned something interesting today. Now, whether I retain it is a different question, but I learned something interesting today, and that's where I get my positive feedback, right? Um, so you have to manufacture those if the activity is not giving it to you directly. And that's like one of the things that kind of keeps you on that cycle is like, you know, you're doing something hard, then you get rewarded. You know what I mean? Like the brain is really good about that cycle. That's like how, that's, that's how we existed as, how our ancestors existed, you know, like, oh, there's food over there, you know, so I'll remember it, you know, type deal. You have to kind of leverage that. Um, in terms of long-term goal setting, um, it's difficult so this is actually a problem that I've been kind of struggling with myself. Um, the, the, the thing that I found is, and I won't say I found, is I started listening to a lot of Cal Newport. He, he's written a bunch of books, some of it like Deep Work, um, um, Being So Good They Can't Ignore You, and things like that. And one of the things that he very much pushes for um, when you're trying to come up with long-term goals is this idea of lifestyle-centric um, career planning. And so you don't necessarily uh, plan on this idea of, uh, you know, what's my passion? You know, what's my passion? Like, how do I find my passion? You plan around the idea of what is the lifestyle that I want to have? Like, and then how do I build my career to promote this lifestyle, you know? And he, he, poses, he poses this idea um, very much through an economic sense. So he, he talks about, you know, you want this lifestyle, how are you going to afford to pay for it? And you afford to pay for it through having rare and valuable skills. I'm literally copying him word for word at this point. Having rare and valuable skills that you trade for the lifestyle that you want, right? And so... You go, okay, this is the lifestyle that I want. This is the thing that I want. This is what I feel. This is what I want, right? And then you go and you look at your, your resources, like what skills you have, you know, and then you look at what else you would need and what position that you need to be in so that you can demand that lifestyle, you know, right? And so that kind of helps you. This is kind of goes into to long-term goals, like that helps you understand the type of long-term goals that you want, you know? So you leverage that to come up with long-term goals and then you leverage that to come up with like paths towards those long-term goals. Um, but I think the most important thing in terms of long-term goals is that they're far out and they can change, you know? you know, like everything, you know, people change, people grow up, people get, you know, grow up, but people, you know, get new experiences and those experiences may change what becomes important to them. And so the long-term goals, the way I engage with long-term goals are in a way that they fuel the things that I do now. It's like, this is the thing that I want to get to but how do I build like the habits um, that will get me in that direction? You know, and it's the, it's not necessarily like I'm going to do this specifically to achieve my long-term goals. But how do I build those habits? You know, but like like I said, long-term goals change, and it's that's fine, that's okay. Like 
you you want to have those goals and you want to try and move towards those goals. But if those goals change, that's fine, you know, and they'll change because um, they'll change because, you know, your experience, the things that are important to you um, change. And so that's fine as well. You know, I guess the the kind of whole thing is. It, 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 the whole, you know, about kind of progressing and, 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 and moving towards accomplishing these things is it's very much a, a thing that's important to you. That's, that's very much your own. Like, I can tell you the things that I did, but, you know, you have very much different experiences and life and, and a, a life that's very much different from mine. So you kind of have to find it yourself, you know, and that's like the important thing. Like, what's the thing? that that works for you you know what i mean like i can give you advice as to what worked for me and why but like it's very much about searching for the thing that works for you and it's fine if it's hard to find you know and it's fine that if it's different from you know other people you know what i mean so i i guess this is a really difficult topic because it's like there's so much that you can get kind of get into, but it's mm-hmm. very much like a it's okay that you know to 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 explore you know I guess that that would be kind of the idea that I'm trying to get to it's it's okay to explore and it's okay to not have things concrete you know like it's it don't it, you know you don't have to do these things it's like oh you're a failure if you don't accomplish these things, you know, it's like, nope, it's fine. You know, you're trying to find yourself just like all of us are trying to to, to find themselves, you know, but yeah, I guess, again, I have like a lot, this is something that I am particularly passionate about. So I have a lot of things that I could literally do a whole podcast on, on this, but yeah. Yeah. And I can hear the passion. Love it. Um, Yeah. That's, that's all good advice. And I, I do think so. And I think it's one of the, it's not, available to everybody but you know maybe you can find a way to make it part of your life even if you're in a bit of a crunch time situation where exploring isn't really on the cards maybe you can find time to explore a little bit outside the pressures of of daily life you know i think us humans um besides being social creatures we are adventurous we want to experience different things you want to build good memories and i think if you can't today do it as part of your day job you know find find something over the weekend find something in in the evening that you can explore a new language a new project something not to do with tech at all maybe um just to keep that adventure alive in you i think you know that'll help you also in the long run absolutely absolutely um I guess one other thing I want to add is engage with people like, again, going back to the tech is hiring. Well, not again, going back to, but like, it's so important to like be able to reach out and, and learn the experiences of other people, you know, to me, like it becomes really hard when the only thing you have is your own experiences to leverage. You know what I mean? Like, so reach out to people, ask people questions, you know, like you may get some good information from this podcast, you know, from this podcast, you may get some good information about like, you know, the, 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 the books that Cal Newport has, has talked about, like, um, uh, Atomic Habits from James Clare. You may get good information from those books as well, but also engage with other people, you know, that are in the field, if going to speaking about software engineering specifically, engage with other people in the field, you know, like people who maybe are like in a position that you want to be in one day. So say, for instance, you want to be a staff engineer, engage with more staff engineers, ask them about their journey, ask them about how they got there. You know what I mean? You know, engage with people who are in your, at your level, also trying to to um that i think that's like where i'm trying to get to engage with people at your level as well like it's again it's really hard to go it alone like you do need that level of encouragement and like i've definitely tried to go it alone for a very long time uh, out of a combination of i just didn't know anybody else and i'm just like oh this is just what i want to do 
you know, but I would definitely encourage people to just to, 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 to find others, build that community, you know, build, um, be a part of a community, you know, because it's like for all the advice that we're giving you, like the community aspect is so important. It's one of the reasons why I try, I, I, I'm, I would like to move in the direction of community for tech is hiring. That community aspect is so important, you know, like you could have the perfect plan, but you just don't have that encouragement to move you forward. You know what I mean? Like, so just have that community, engage with that community, have your people that either are doing the same things you're doing, you know, and, and, you know, you can help push each other forward and everybody's different experiences, how they engage with this problem, you know, will, will teach you to move forward and you can teach them to move forward as well. So yeah, just engage with people. Yeah, so I mean, I 100% agree with the community aspect of what you were talking about. I mean, that's why I, I started this community. I saw that there was a need and I thought like, I've been in this industry for quite some time. I've built up a whole bunch of connections with people again. Um, I got to do something to help. You know, I had so much help when I started that I feel like it's my responsibility to to do what I can. So I 100% agree with the community aspect of this. Um, you can't do this alone. There's very few things in life you can do alone. Um, you always do better if you have support and you have somebody that can say, I, I've been there. I understand what you're going through, but keep going. More often than not, Success is right around that corner that you just can't see around right now. So I 100% agree with that. Um, this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, and I thank you so much for sharing all your all your wisdom and all your um, the learnings you've had in your life. I have two more things that I want to talk about that's a little more lighthearted, although the one might maybe be a little bit like tough, but <laughs> we'll, we'll dig into it anyway. So first, the the the, the fun one. Um, I read on LinkedIn that um, you're a 13 plus year veteran of the fighting game community and esports for Capcom Street Fighter. So please tell us more about that. But then also the question I want you to think about is what is, why have you been a part of that community for such a long time? And what can tech communities learn from this community? Um, yeah, so, uh, all right, so I, I, I've, I've been playing Street Fighter for 13 plus years in, uh, uh I don't want to say professional, but competitive sense. Um, not so much nowadays, um, just because we don't have as many opportunities to play in Jamaica. Um, and to be fair, I've also been doing the coding thing. Um, but I've, uh, what kind of brought me, what has kind of kept me in the, in the community so long is that, um, I guess it kind of goes back to my, to, to interesting things and ideas, you know, and people, to be quite honest with you. Like there was a long time where I, 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 I had people that I could really engage with, um, in fighting games and we'd have really good conversations about the game and about other things as well. Um, but, like the thing that really interests me is like some of the ideas that fighting games kind of present. Like, so, um, the thing that kind of, that kind of really want, really got me into playing is that, um, Street Fighter 4 was coming out at the time. And, you know, you're trying to watch to get better. And then I watched like a particular video of like two very strong players from Japan playing and they were, you know, doing fighting game things and like, um, up, like just the, the way that they were playing around each other and how they made their decisions, which I could, I, I can now tell you how those things, you know, what they were thinking about. But like at the time it looked like magic and I was just like, I want to be able to do that too. And so that idea just trying to push towards trying to get to a point where I could do some of the things that they did really pushed me towards towards playing and it's really kind of kept me playing you know what I mean and I think like the the big thing about the fighting game community is the social aspect of the community and I I ironically think that the 
that the tech community does a really good job of this so far is being very social. Um, like you have things like tech Twitter, you have like LinkedIn and so on and so forth. But I think that the tech community does a solid job of, of what you call it. Um, how do I put this? Uh, they do a solid job of engaging with people and just being very, very friendly. You know, to be honest, I think both communities could do a little bit better on that. Like, there is still a fair amount of uh, exclusivity in the fighting game community, as long as exclusivity in tech, of course. You know, um, both communities could do be could do better, but I think that. Like, even now, like, the community is fairly open. You know, like, we talk about, we talked about open source originally. Like, open source is, a, is like, a really good way of, like, open source is really unique to the tech community. I can't think of another, another industry that is so, you know, a professional industry that, you know, you can engage with people like you can just kind of find them in like a place, you know what I mean. So um, I think like both the fighting game community and the tech industry is 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 fairly open. Um, I'm not necessarily sure like what the tech industry could pull from the fighting game community, mostly because the trajectories feel so similar. You know, like I feel like the tech industry is more mature. You know, and the tech industry has found out how to to leverage its value. You know what I mean? It, it's like the tech industry is an extraordinarily valuable industry, whereas the fighting game community is still kind of on, you know, is still trying to learn how to, to leverage its value. You know, but then again, the tech industry is much old. It's, it's more old, it's more old than the fighting game community in general. So it's, it's really weird. Like, it's very fascinating how, how both industries have a very similar trajectory and a very kind of similar, um, way they, en we, we engage with one another for very similar reasons. You know what I mean? Um, like, you could think of, you know, just kind of people posting, ironically, like the, the things that we talk about when we, when we're playing fighting games and we're sharing information, we call it tech, you know, <laughs> to me, it's very funny. Uh, but it's like the, the industries are so similar. And I think that's the reason why I engage with both of them so well is because they're kind of on that similar trajectory, you know, like I'm using that phrase a lot, but yeah, it's 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 weird. Like, it's weird. I, I I'm not sure what I would say the tech industry could learn from them because we're just so similar. You know what I mean? Like, we're just so similar. Like, I I I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I would I would answer that question. Yeah. To be honest with you, and that's fine. That's totally fine. I I liked how you explained um, when Street Fighter Four came out, and you like were watching these videos. Um, like the words you used, the way you described it, it was it's so getting into tech. It's like watching other people build something, and you're like, how in the world did they do that? And you also, it feels like it's magic until you get to that point where you're building this thing and you're like, oh, now I can explain to you how you actually do that thing that seemed to be magic. Um, yeah, very, very interesting. It sounded so familiar. Yeah, I think just from that, that that's something that, that, that we share and that we can learn from each other is, um, it might seem like magic, but there's logic behind that magic <laughs> and it takes a little yeah. bit of time and a little bit of t determination and you can you too can make that magic i think that's maybe what we can what we can take from now on this mm -hmm. uh, absolutely as i've mentioned this was a lovely conversation so glad we had this in closing what has been the most important thing you have learned in your tech career so far um Community, community. Ironically, we, we we touched on this a few times, but I think the most important thing I've learned 
is community. Like I said, um, I've spent a long time um, kind of going at it alone. Like there's kind of like this philosophy of the, 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 the engineer that sits in the dark room and they come out and they come out with a dark room, out of the dark room, and they bless everyone in the organization with whatever they built. And then they, you know, the organization makes a million dollars, and you know, they send that engineer back into the dark room to come back and bless us with another thing. You know, that there is definitely some level of, you know, there's some people who are just like they're really good at their job, but for the most part, we, do we the way we deliver value is we don't deliver value ourselves. We deliver value through engaging with other people, you know? And so being very people-centric has probably been the most important thing I've learned, you know? And I've learned that, to be quite honest, through the pandemic. Um, engaging on tech Twitter, you know, engaging in communities that I found through tech Twitter, like just being around people and, you know, that are either above you, ahead of you, or are, you know, not necessarily ahead of you that you can explain your thoughts to. Like, just having other people around is probably the the most powerful thing that you could have. Like, like in my opinion, a lot of the skills, even the things that we have that are extraordinarily technical, you know, like the kind of the data structures and algorithms and like discrete math and just, you know, like the, the very bare bones computer science knowledge. Like, I'm not going to say that they're easy to teach, but they feel very static in a sense where it's like you can always engage with those ideas, you know, but it's very hard to, 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 to learn new things when you don't have a very good avenue of learning those new things and a good portion of the time, those avenues are the people that are already gauge, engaging with those ideas, you know? So just having community is so important, you know? Like, I've, I've, I've learned a lot very technically, you know? Like, I'm mostly a front-end engineer. I've, I've gotten very strong in React. My JavaScript has gotten significantly better since I started, since, since I started working, you know, and the thing that I, that I'm happy that I have as a resource is all the people that I know, that know me, that I can reach out to and talk to. So it's just really important to have that community wherever you can find it. You know, I would even go as far as to say it is almost more important to have that community than the skills, because given enough time, you can get the skills, you know, and not only given enough time, if you have a strong community, getting those skills is easier because you may have people that will be able to 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 help you assimilate that information much more easily, you know, so just having those people around you, like just having people that you can lean on, you know, is just, it's the most important thing I think I've learned, you know, and I've only learned it within the last few years. Couldn't have said it better. Thanks so much, Chad. This was great. Um, I wish you all success with your career, with tech is hiring, everything you do. Um, Thanks for being you, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. No problem, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this.